When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Gran Leyenda Tequila. This tequila knows there's no substitute for a great taste. This award-winning and organic tequila is handcrafted and comes in four different flavors. Gran Leyenda takes great pride introducing the world to organic tequilas that do not compromise quality. To learn more, visit GranLeyendaTequila.com. Gran Leyenda, the official tequila of the East-West Football Podcast. Must be 21 and older to enjoy. Please drink responsibly. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Basefish Mafia. Basefish Mafia is an entity that is a unique and non-interchangeable unit of data stored on a digital ledger. NFTs can be used to represent easily reproductive items such as photos, videos, audio, and other types of digital files as unique items. For more information, make sure you follow them on all social media platforms. Basefish Mafia, join the family. Life and football are very similar. Without an identity, you will not achieve your ultimate prize. Defense wins championships. Pride and passion meet success. You gotta love what you do. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to another edition of the East West Football Podcast. Fidel Barraza here alongside Jerry Martinez. How you doing? Man, I, it, it, it's crazy, man. Super Bowl Sunday is literally, what is it, three days away? Well, I mean, because we're, we're doing this Friday evening, so two days away. I just, I'm just so surprised that it just came to us, like, in an instance. And then we got two teams that we rarely ever get to see in the, in the, actual, in the actual postseason or in the playoffs let alone the Super Bowl. So this this has been an exciting week for for lack of better terms. Uh but I'm 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 ready. I'm locked in. I'm fully loaded and uh prepared man for uh Super Bowl Sunday. But yeah, Jerry, let's go and talk about Super Bowl 56, Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams. One of the biggest storylines that actually came out today was the weather in Los Angeles. It's supposed to be 85 degrees on Sunday, and there was actually no AC in SoFi Stadium. Um, also, crazy. yeah. Also, too, uh, news came out today that Tyler Higby, the talented tight end for the Los Angeles Rams, he is officially out. So the Rams will be without one of the top targets on that offense. And, and it's weird, right? Because we, the reports were indicating that he was a go, that he was practicing and whatnot. And I mean. We're not saying that he is the actual main show on the offense, but he helps to kind of offset what the, uh, you know, the attention with Cooper Cup and OBJ. So it kind of helps and also the running game tremendously. So uh, I, I don't know how big of a, of, of a loss this is, but it is a loss for lack of better terms, too. Yeah, and of course we got to talk about the Cinderella story in the Cincinnati Bengals. Not I don't I don't know one person that before the season started said that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to be in Super Bowl 56, do you? No, I, I think people were still calling them the Bungles. Uh, I think people were even like uh, still criticizing them until maybe I want to say week three for, you know, not fixing the offensive line and getting a rookie, uh, Penny Sewell, who had a fantastic uh, year with the Detroit Lions, right? Because they wanted to protect... Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow's biggest, the biggest story for Joe Burrow was he was coming off ACL surgery in the yep. offseason. So for them to go out there and get his, you know, one of his good buddies from LSU, Jamar Chase, people were still like kind of like mocking them and laughing at them like, man, look, I mean, this guy, this guy, you know, he's going to come out, come into the season with one leg. And, you know, he already had, uh, he already had two good wide receivers, right? T Higgins that showed up. 
And then he also had uh, Tyler Boyd, right, who was yeah. a, a hangover from the previous regime. So for 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 them to go out there and get Jamar Chase, uh, even with Jamar Chase addition, I don't think you would say that for anybody that maybe has a a, a full rounded team. Would that would be the the key piece? You know what I mean? It's like the 49ers. I mean, if they if you brought in Jamar Chase for the 49ers, would you say they're instant Super Bowl contenders? Well, I mean, you could say that, but again, the quarterback situation is, I feel, is what kind of held them back. Um, but let's talk about the Rams. Now, this team, some people were expecting to be in the Super Bowl, um, especially after they made the trade last year during the Super Bowl week uh, to inquire a quarterback from the Detroit Lions, uh, Matthew yes. Stafford. That was in the offseason. That was literally like... It was the week of Jet- Super Bowl 55, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was... It, so, and then... You know, during during the season, they they traded for Von Miller. Yeah, and people were like, "Oh man, he, the Rams are all in because I mean they've been burning through their their draft capital like crazy to get these key players at key positions that will help them lock it down." And then towards towards the middle of the season, they they were able to sway OBJ from you know from the Saints and who was this two favorite teams? It was the Saints. It was and New England and New England. Uh, and I think the Packers too, right? The Packers, the Packers were, were in the mix, yes. The Packers were also in the mix. So for for them to pull out all the stunts, I mean, at that point when we saw OBJ team up, we said, "Oh man, this is a team that should be in the Super Bowl." We all said they should be in the Super Bowl, and they are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then also let, let's not forget about Cam Akers. He tore his Achilles in July, and crazy come back, you know, towards the last month of the season, and crazy. he's been a big part of that offense. Yes, he has, and he's brought some attitude too. I don't know if you've seen some of his his off, uh, not off the field, but uh, on the uh, when he's playing. I don't know if you've seen the intensity that he brings, and man, you know, he's just a firecracker, man. But I mean, it just shows you that he wanted to make sure that he was a part of this, you know, this this season, regardless of the situation. And I mean, man, to to, to think an Achilles tendon, then that thing could literally shape up if you can ever walk again, and he's already running again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been incredible what he's been able to do coming back, and he he looks good. He looks fully healthy. He does. Uh, I'm wow. Yeah. What do you think is going to be the key matchup here in Super Bowl Fifty Six? Oh man, so that that this this is a really good question right here. I think that the the key matchup is going to be the Bengals offensive line versus Aaron Donald. Man, um, we've seen them struggle. I think uh, that is it the number fifty eight sacks this season. I, yeah. I want to. I want to not forget they they gave up nine sack against uh, against Tennessee in the playoffs. Yes. So you're you're talking about you're talking about an offensive line that that is going to give up. You know they're they're they're. How are they going to be able to contain Aaron Donald? Because Aaron Donald, we'd see he can he can make his way through a double team, even a triple team. He'll he 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 puts so much pressure on you. But I think that it's Aaron Donald. I think this is going to be Aaron Donald versus Joe Burrow. Uh, I think that that that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think the key to the this matchup is going to be also that offensive line of the Bengals going against that defensive line of the Rams. Now they they've been able to kind of you know get around and win some games, even though the, the offensive line is not the best in the league. Um, so I, I think on Sunday we're going to see that get exposed a little bit. Uh, the, the stat line I think that the the Bengals defense actually held. Um, they actually they they've actually held what was it eighteen was it eighteen points in the second half, which was a big a big indicator. Yeah. Like wow, the Bengals defense did their job. So I'm not saying the Bengals defense is right there with the Rams, but they they're getting the job done. And that's, that's, that says a lot, you know what I mean? Because they don't have some big time splashy player names on the defense. Yeah. I'm yeah. You're 100% correct. I mean, the, the so, reason why the Bengals are in the situation too. I mean, let's, let's not cut around it. It's, it's Joe Burrow. And it's, it is Joe Burrow. it's amazing what he's been able to do. Uh, he tore his ACL back in uh, November of uh, 2020, I believe yeah. it was. And um, and, and he and won the, Comeback Player of the Year. He won. I was, I was about to say that right now. He beat out Dak Prescott, I believe, the, but, but by landslide, too. So yeah. it's just uh, it's incredible, right? Because uh, I think that 
if anything, now going forward, teams are going to be looking for their Joe Burrow. And man, I feel kind of bad for some of these teams and the quarterbacks this offseason. You hope that they don't, you know, force that on any young young man that's coming into the league at quarterback. You know, you, you can't just throw the guy out there like the like the way Joe Burrow was. Joe Burrow is just his mind is just wired differently. And I think it, a lot goes to uh, his failures uh, at Ohio State. You know, he was he had in his mind that he was going to play after, you know, uh, one or two seasons. He would get the starting gig and he didn't. I think there is even a, 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 a some rumbling about Urban Meyer telling him that he just wasn't cut out to play quarterback. And for him to to go back and 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 it's like that old saying, man, like, you know, once you get to the certain height of that mountain, you know, you don't ever want to climb down and try a different approach, right? You, you, you're yeah. stuck right there, and you'll get stuck right there, and you'll never move. But, I mean, Joe Burrow's a, a great indicator that just shows you how he can turn around your franchise because, man, that he just made the Bengals an instant winner now. Yeah, and then also, I mean, it's safe to say that Urban Meyer is not cut out to be an NFL head coach. <laughs> I think we learned that fast this season. I mean, it didn't take long for us to learn. Yeah. All right, Jerry. Well, let me get your prediction for Super Bowl 56. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with the uh, go ahead and give me the Detroit Rams. <laughs> Detroit. Hey, you know what? I did see the shirts and I tagged Walt in that post and I looked like he got a little bit upset. Yeah. That, so. Yeah. It was kind of crazy, man. I, I, I they meshed the lion with the, with the actual yeah, with the Rams. The but, but look, I mean, honestly, Rams. this is probably going to be the closest the Lions are going to get to a Super Bowl in man in, in, in a, a, while. a long time. In a, in a while, because they're yeah. they're they're going to be they're in rebuild mode. We all know that for sure. At least yeah. two seasons before it gets serious for the Detroit Lions. But look, uh, the competitor in and Matt Stafford has really come on, and I think that Matt Stafford is out there to prove a point, which could get him into some trouble. Yep. But he's out there to prove a point that that uh yeah he doesn't care about Joe Burrow he looks like he is he's locked in and I think that he has the weapons in Cooper Cup and OBJ to kind of uh to to I'm and and the reason why because I know that the Bengals have that kind of offensive firepower but I think it's just going to come down to the defense the defense going to make that one stop that they need to to get the Rams the ball and make and make and you know punch in that score so it, i think it's gonna be a tight i think for the most part things gonna be a tight it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a very close game but i'm gonna give the edge to the rams yeah i'm gonna go with the rams as well i mean everything they did this uh, this past off season during the year with the trap with the trades and free agency um i think it's gonna pay off for them and i and i think the rams are gonna win and they're gonna win big i think this might get a little way towards the end of the game yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I would love to see the Bengals win, but I, I think that the Rams, like I said, uh, they've done an, they did they've done more than enough uh, yeah. to get to this point, and and they're 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 starting to gel together just like the the Bengals have been gelling all season yeah. long. And uh, we got Kendall saying that there's going to be an upset. He's got the Bengals winning twenty eight to twenty three on Sunday. You know, if that happens, I'm not going to be upset. Would you be upset if the Bengals win? I, first, that's that's a question. Of course, I would be. I got money on the Rams. Why wouldn't oh. I be upset? Oh, okay, okay. I thought I thought I thought we're just saying more for nostalgic. You know what I mean? Like, well, well, you know, I mean, look, I, I it's just there's I don't see a way where the Bengals beat the Rams. I I just really don't. It's just everything's kind of going against them at this yeah, point. Yeah. I mean, the the Rams. I I mean, look, I picked the Bucks to to be in this position, and the Rams beat them. Yeah. It's just the, the Rams are just so talented, especially on defense. I just have a hard time uh, seeing Joe, uh, Joe Burrow being able to to stay up all right, uh, all yeah. game. Well, I mean, like, that's what I said. I think that the defense is going to come up and make the stop that they need to make so the, so the Rams can punch it in. So, uh, But I wouldn't be upset if the Bengals win. So we'll see. We'll see come uh, next week, right, when we uh, do a recap show. We'll see who, who called it right. Uh, we me and you got the Rams, and we got an upset with Kendall picking the Bengals. Yeah. All right, coming up next, Fagel Franklin the third from New Stitch Media is going to join us. Stick around. And tonight, our special guest, the CEO of New Stitch Media, Fagel Franklin. How you doing, man? I'm well, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, we appreciate your time. We know you're a busy man, so thank you. Thank you again. Um, so how you doing, first and foremost, before we jump into my journey of being in the sports media field? I'm I'm good, man. Uh, alive, breathing. Just another Tuesday night, you know. Just got off of work, so 
I'm good, man. How about you? Oh, man, I'm just getting ready for Super Bowl week. We're actually um, about to land um, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, and throughout the entire week, we'll be doing Super Bowl coverage as well as FIBA coverage. Um, so I have a couple of my interns actually covering um, the FIBA qualifying for the women's basketball, uh, Team USA women's basketball uh, squad out there, um, and doing some stuff for Uf, uh, UFC um, because we have a, a fight coming up on Saturday. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Super Bowl as well as the Winter Olympics. Yeah. So, Bagel, how did you get into, you know, the media world and, you know, being able to create your own uh, company, New Stitch, uh, New Stitch Media? Um, so basically, I went back to school in 2012. Um, I asked everything about me is about my faith in God. So I had asked the good Lord if he could actually give me an opportunity within a job that I want to consider a job more like a career. That is something that gives me purpose. So um, as soon as I got back into school, uh, a couple months later, I ended up actually getting an internship with in Lacrosse Lee Trust. So it piqued my interest of, you know, actually covering sports. Now, I've been around sports my entire life. I played sports. I ran track, played basketball, uh, played a little bit football. My family ran track. My dad um, played a little bit football. And my little brother, you know, played basketball, volleyball, and ran track. So sports was just a huge thing for our family. So nonetheless, um, in 2012, I actually got that internship and it sparked my interest. And then in 2013, I started working with Pro Players Insiders. So when I actually looked up their website, they covered everything that was NFL related and they covered Super Bowl. So I decided right then and there, why not, um, why not me? Why can't I cover a Super Bowl? And I actually... Um, Hold on for a second. I'm sorry. Um, I actually um, decided right then and there that I was going to actually cover a Super Bowl, which I covered my first Super Bowl uh, media coverage um, in 2015, which was Super Bowl 50. And then a couple of years later, actually covered my team winning the Super Bowl, which is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Patriots. So that's a little bit about my journey. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's. That's a very telling story. I mean, I mean, the goal for everyone, you know, especially, you know, people that are in the media love football is the ultimate goal is to cover Super Bowl. So how that feel whenever you fir- you cover the f- your first one? Uh, it was amazing. I actually sat there and cried. There's no refreshing, refreshing feeling than actually watching your team win their first franchise Super Bowl championship. There is no feeling like that ever in life. And for five years of facing rejection, facing doubts, just struggling, trying to get from point A to point B, trying to unlock so many doors that was closed. It was refreshing that I actually got to cover a Super Bowl, that that was my five-year plan. And my five-year goal was to cover a Super Bowl. And I did it. And I could sit there and say, I did it. I graduated uh, college and I grinded. And like I tell people all the time, if you have a goal, you know, you have to start with a daily goal in order to get to your dream. Everybody wants to dream, but nobody wants to work towards little by little daily goals. You have to have, you have to set yourself a daily goal and then achieve that goal in order to make little milestones in your reality or either your dream. Let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl 56. So you'll be in Los Angeles tomorrow. Obviously, we got a great matchup on Sunday. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, which not a lot of people were thinking were going to be in the Super Bowl this time last year uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, the, the home team. So I just want to get your uh, early thoughts on the matchup. Um, honestly, I'm going with the Rams. I just like Matthew Stafford's stories as well as Odell Beckham. I mean, Odell Beckham was basically uh, forced out of Cleveland and then got another opportunity. And then we already know the storyline with Matthew Stafford never winning a playoff game and now actually reaching – uh, the play, uh, not just only reaching um, the playoffs and winning a, a couple of games, he's going to the Super Bowl. And I like everything with the LA Rams are doing. And then that city, just because of 2020, we already know what happened in 2020. You know, my basketball idol and Kobe Bryant has passed away. And ever since he had passed away, that city has bloomed as far as sports and championships is concerned because you had the Lakers winning one in 2020. Then you had um, the World Series, the Dodgers won the World Series. Now, you know, if the Rams actually win um, a Super Bowl there, that city is thriving. Um, And I love everything about L.A., you know, just the vibe out there, the excitement. 
and different things of that nature. However, with the Bengals, I'm an underdog in, in life. So I do like the underlining storyline with that and the three three weapons that they have with uh, Mixon. Um, uh, of course, uh, Dan, what's that? Wow, uh, Jamar Chase. Chase. Yeah, Jamar yeah. Chase, the running back. And then, of course, you know, uh, stay calm, Joe. So, yeah, yeah he's a mm. calm person. And I, I love his demeanor, especially when he's rushed in the pocket. He don't really panic. And he's only been in the league for two years. Like, what he's doing is phenomenal. So I honestly think it's going to be a close game, but I, I got the Rams winning it like 27-21. All right. Who's your Super Bowl MVP? Ooh. You already know. Most of the time they're going to go with a quarterback, give or take. Um, but I, I, I could see uh, maybe ooh, Cooper Cup. Okay. I, I think he's going to be a key factor. Yeah, most definitely. I'm gonna go with Cooper Cup. Hey, what's going on, Fago? Appreciate, appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you, man. Uh, look, uh, nice seeing you, man. Again, man. How you been? Hey, been great, man. It's good to have you on. You know, we we talk a little more than um, you know, Jerry, you and Jerry Padilla do. I know you a little bit more, and I just wanted to get into. I know we talked a while back, and you um about a few weeks, probably about a good month ago, we had talked. And you had told me that you suffered a setback because it was things that happened first and whatnot. How do you try to stay positive through all that that was going on with you? Um, each and every day, you have to just have a positive mindset because you can't take life for granted. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, my brother ended his life um, in 2018, which was like very devastating for me. And like he had passed away a couple of days before his uh, 33rd birthday. So God bless you. Um, so no problem. So anyways, he had passed away March 28th. I got the news. Um, like my mother had called me and me, don't, me and her don't really get along. Um, but that's another story for another day. Um, she had called me and she was like, do you know what happened to your brother? I'm like, uh, I don't know what's going on. I had to literally find out through Facebook that my brother had passed away. And so um, that was, you know, devastating because like literally I had to actually not only cover games, but actually put on a smile. And that's like the hardest thing to do in life is put on a smile even when you're hurting inside. And you don't really have anybody because, you know, the closest to, uh, people to me have stabbed me in my back. So now I have trust issues because the people that I thought, you know, I was cool with or either close with, they disappeared. And when I needed them, they weren't there. So I tried to give away good, uh, good demeanor. I try to be good in character and I love helping people out because that is my passion. And you always have to be uplifted because what people remember about a person is how they treat people, the conversations that they have, not the type of money that they have in their pockets, but how they treated them. Because we're here one, we can be here today and gone another day. So I want to build a legacy on helping people out and overcoming adversity. And that's something I'm big on. Yes, sir. I, I completely agree with you there. Uh, Fago, I've always looked at you as like a a, a, a mixture of a Stephen A. Smith and like an Adam Shelton. I see your posts on social media, on Facebook a lot. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a busy man. You're always on the road. You know, we, we talk a while back. Every time I talk to you, either flying or coming in or going somewhere, you're always going somewhere. So you're, re you're real busy. Um, when did you feel news Twitch media was at its peak? Like, when did it, when did it really take off? That's, oh, that's a good question. Um, I put it this way. I've been super blessed. So I started New Stitch Media during the pandemic. So it's basically I revamped it because in 2015, I started it and it was through New Stitch uh, magazine. So I actually got to cover President Obama's White House correspondent with my own publication, as well as Super Bowl 50 with my own publication, which was just a phenomenal um, aspect for me. However, I started working with Fox Sports, the Taj Magazine, Inspire Magazine, uh, numerous outlets because I was actually trying to get my foot in the door, not realizing my foot was already in the door. And so um, a lot of people come to me about doing featured stories and different things of that nature. So when we had the pandemic, everything was at a halt. And my, my publication I was writing for, um, she went at, she, she paused her, 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 her type of content. So I'm like, I have all this type of content. How do I get this stuff out to the public? So I was like, hey, I'm gonna start my own publication. And it has been growing, you know, last year, um, we have blew up, you know, we covered things for Showtime Boxing to, you know, soccer to 
um, Tribeca Film Festival, Art Basel, any and everything like the big events that a lot of people want to go to. Like I've been very privileged to actually cover that. Um, so it didn't just start, it started off as a publication. And honestly, now it's more so of a purpose to help other people out. Because I feel like with New Stitch Media, it's giving tools to people that are actually in the field with actually getting them ready to go to a top five market. Because I have those type of connections that are, you know, A-list people or A-list events. Uh, I can actually tell people about how to get on the media distribution list. I can actually tell people about their writing style or how to formulate, you know, a press release and how to find that right connections and different things of that nature. So that is what New Stitch Media is now. And it's more so of a publication and platform to help other people in the field. Appreciate you, bro. And then I, I do appreciate you last year helping me get on the Kansas City Chiefs media call because you did. I reached out to you and you did look out. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Like I said before, you know, like I love helping people out and that is really my purpose um, with being in this field because a lot of doors was closed to me when I started this little journey of mine. And I feel like as Denzel Washington has stated in a inspiring message, reach one, teach one, teach one, reach one and reach another. And so that is how you bridge, and that's how you bridge positivity, upliftment, and a bridge of connecting people together because you never know who you're going to need later on in life. Appreciate it, Fago. Anytime. Fago. So this is Jerry. And 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 let me just say something real quick. Uh for those for those out there that are not following you on on your social media, you know, your Facebook, you guys got to add him. I mean, it's entertainment. It's, it's like he said, news, everything, a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of sprinkle of everything. It's almost like, what is it? Everything but the bagel seasoning. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and I like that, man. I, I, I didn't know that that you covered all sports. So let me let's 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 kind of talk about jur- journalism a little bit. So, you know, journalism. The only thing with journalism is. How do you keep the li- the the listeners to kind of continuously come to you know especially a website? So how do you how do you keep the mind fresh? How do you keep the stories fresh? I mean, can you share that with us? I mean, or give us a sneak peek, perhaps? Oh yeah, sure, sure. So like you know, everything is based on technology as well as social media platforms. So you want to kind of engage with your audience. So that's why I have like little fillers. Sometimes it might be graphics. Sometimes it might be breaking news. Or either sometimes it might be actually like a poll or a little debate. You know, like I get tired of this whole storyline of who's better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. They don't even have Kobe in the conversation. And you have to look at the spots on the floor. Like Kobe is our MJ and LeBron is our magic. Period, point blank. That's the conversation's over. And so you see like other outlets that, you know, always talking about that or either Dallas Cowboys. So with me, I try to mix in with what my viewers like, you know, whether it's sports or either entertainment. You know, right now I'm talking about the Golden Globes. So I'm trying to, you know, uh, get my feet a little bit wet within an entertainment field now so I can actually engage with films that people should watch. And so, like, you just have to be authentic. You know, like I told you about my story and and, and talking about dealing with um, mild depression with my brother's death and different things of that nature. At the end of the day, I don't care how big you get, we are still people. So you just True. bring it down to we we just bring it down to another person's level. If we're talking about sports, you actually want to engage like who's like, you know, prime example, like what are your thoughts about, you know, the the Rams versus Bengals uh game? You know, the same thing, same thing with you. Like I would like to know your perspective about, you know, who do you think is going to be the key factor with the Rams or the Bengals or you know, what excites you about any type of sports that you're looking at, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's the PGA, whether it's tennis, anything of that nature. And so that is literally my job is to engage my audience. And you do that by being authentic and actually understanding uh, what you're conversing about uh, and the topics that you're conversing about. And then you can actually look at your story feature. That's why I put a lot of um, fillers in my stories to actually see who's actually looking at it. And that's more so of a marketing tool. So everything you do in life is about marketing. And so even like when I'm watching, like right now I'm watching um, the house of Gucci and I'm jotting down things that, you know, within the film, because these are key fillers for me to actually um, 
to to help me as an entrepreneur. So I take little, I jot little notes down. And I'm like, oh, this is what I need to do and apply it to my life and what I'm trying to do with my brand. The same thing goes with, you know, marketing yourself um, on social media. You know, you have a lot of people are, that are influencers. What, what are they actually influencing? They are promoting their face, but they're not really saying, they're, not, they're really not promoting the substance of what's coming out of their mouths. Anybody can sit there and take a photo and look good, but it's the words that are coming out of their mouths that, will gravit- uh, that people will gravitate toward. Thank you so much. Hey, so I, I got a couple more though. So go go I got I got some good ones, man. So let's say that twenty year old that, that oh man, they want to take that step, but they're afraid. But hey, how about how about that forty year old that that is tired of that nine to five, right? That that knows that they were destined to be a part of you know sports, whether it be through social media, through journalism, or you know, like you said, influencing. What piece of advice would you give that that? 20 to 30 to 40 year old that's on the fence about you know taking that leap of faith towards you know moving into sports um when you're 20 you ain't got no nuts so you don't know anything <laughs> about you don't know anything about life you're 20 years old and society, <laughs> society put this whole aspect on people that are 20 to like 30 years old you're supposed to be self- successful at 20 Man, yeah. I I didn't go back to school until I was 25 years old. I didn't get a degree until I was 29. And I didn't even know what I wanted to do until I was 28 years old. So you have time. So you have to find something that you're, you have a purpose for. Because everybody wants to get into this field just only on the aspect of the glamour. They want to actually cover games, but they don't want to put out articles. They don't want to post on social media. I have to get at my interns on a consistent basis about posting content on a regular basis it gets annoying for me because i'm their editor and they want to go to all these lavish events but they don't want to put in the work because they're looking at social media and social media has this whole instant gratification that you can get actually get there and within a week and they have all these followers it doesn't work like that it took me nine years to actually become the person i am a force in the sports media field um but i would say this Um, There are four P's that you have to have in life is you have to have purpose. You have to be very passionate about it. You have to be um, patient and you have to be persistent. If you don't have those four P's in life, then you're not going to survive. Because again, when you're going through tough times, you have to have something that is meaningful to you, something that gives you purpose. Me, I love helping people out. So I, I work, like, no lie, I work a warehouse job for the time being because COVID-19 had messed a lot of things up. Now, I was also doing public relations, lost all my clients. My whole thing is what keeps me awake and keep me striving and hungry is I'm competing with the best of the best. So I'm a competitor. So while people working at Fox Sports or ESPN, I'm trying to get that Maria Teller money. She's making millions right now. And I'm literally like her resume and my resume are neck and neck. And I'm like, she makes me a better person just on the aspect because I realized a little bit too late about negotiating your worth. When you have something that other people want, now you can negotiate to the companies, especially if you're on the media distribution list for all these different things. And now a company can't tell you, oh, well, I have this connection because you can sit there and say, hey, I got this connection to, you know, this, this is the fourth. I can actually get you exclusive interviews with this is in a fool. And if you're doing it on a consistent basis without a big network, now you're negotiating what you're worth to that company, not the company negotiating what you're worth to them. That was that's what makes you more valuable. But a lot of people don't want to do that or um, put in free free internships or um, they don't want to do anything for free. Every they want everything paid. However, you got to pay your dues. So even when you're 40 years old. You still have to have that passion. Everything is based on passion and everything is based on your why. Why are you doing this? What gets you up early at night? Because at the end of the day, like everybody wants to have the mama mentality until it's time to get up early. No lie. I usually get up at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And a lot of people like, do you sleep? Nope. Why? Because at the end of the day, I sleep when I'm dead. It makes and, and, and I'm hungry. Like I'm, I'm seeing everybody else eating. I'm hungry because in my like, wow. You know, y'all might praise me and stuff like that. I have like, I feel like I haven't done anything and I have done a lot of different things. But to me personally, I'm always competing with myself. 
and I'm trying to be the best person that I can be on a daily basis. However, I want to actually help other people out in the field. And so when, you know, I give them, them the same advice that I give myself, now I'm more hungry because now I'm giving the advice that they have. Now they're competing with me and I'm the type of person I lead by example. So I can give you advice all day, but you want to actually physically see me doing the things that, that I told you. So if I told you to do six articles a day, I expect myself to do six articles a day. I'm not going to tell something, somebody something that I never did or would never do. That's just not who I am. But again, you got to be authentic. You got to be true to yourself. And you have to have faith. You know, if you don't have a high belief in God or, you know, any religion or anything, have, have faith within yourself. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to fail yourself. You're going to all be disappointed by somebody, but, you know, you don't want to disappoint yourself. And it starts off with daily goals. You can't reach that milestone without having daily goals. So with me, um, I'm, I'm a little bit more intense. So I don't eat until work is finished. I don't eat breakfast until I have like three to four different connections. I'm always on LinkedIn. I don't eat until things are done because it makes me hungry. Because at the end of the day, I'm hungry, literally and metaphorically. Wow. So uh, a couple more, and, and I think we should, that'll, that'll end it for me. But can you recall your first aha moment or that one moment where you kind of got starstruck? Or meeting somebody that, that that you, you know, grew up watching or or listening to, um, somebody that you met along your journey, like that you know was a big name. I know that myself, I've had those aha moments uh, with some of our guests, and I'm pretty sure Kendall and, and Fidel can say the same thing too. Uh, but uh, can you give us your aha moment and how did you uh, overcome it and stay poised? Um, I didn't overcome this. Um, I was. <laughs> And God bless his soul. I was beside my basketball idol and Kobe Bryant. Wow. Literally beside him. Yes, literally beside him. I could like I was trying to ask him a question in my mind. I'm like sh- pretending to touch Kobe Bryant and like it's a hey, coach. Because at the time when I met him, he had a was coaching at AAU league. And so he was actually at the WNBA game because I covered the WNBA, um, the Aces and, and versus Sparks game. And then, you know, I actually got to talk with Derek Fisher, which was pretty cool. I'm a diehard Lakers fan which was pretty cool. But then they had announced over the PA system that Kobe Bryant was in attendance. I was like, oh my gosh, where's Kobe? And I see him, I'm like, yo, whoa, he, he's for real? He's, he's a person? <laughs> and then I'm like literally beside him. I'm trying to tap him, thinking I'm tapping him. I'm starstruck. I'm trying to move my feet. And then I actually said this out loud. I'm breathing the same air as Kobe Bryant. Because Kobe Bryant, to me, wasn't just a basketball player. To me, he was everything that I wanted to be. Even with, even now, even as a journalist, I have that Mamba mentality. Because a, a lot of people don't understand what the Mamba mentality is. It's an obsession with bettering yourself and improving your craft. No matter what you have to do, you don't make excuses for yourself. You get up, you get the job done. And that is something I have took over the years. I used to play basketball. I'm five, six. There's so much I can only do because I'm short. But that mentality that I had that you're not going to outwork me. I don't care how tall you are. I don't, how tall, I don't care how big you are. I will outwork you. I will outrep you. I will outdo anything. I like, I will be putting in the work while you sleep. And that mindset stuck with me and it became, it molded me into the man I am today. So to go back to the Kobe Bryant situation, I thought I had time. Like I had alluded to, you know, a couple uh, minutes ago. You never know when somebody's going to leave. I thought I had time. So I tapped his daughter, Gigi, on the arm, and I spoke with her for like, you know, two seconds. I'm like, I see you doing your thing. Good job. Like, you're going to be a force. And she was like, oh, thank you. And with Kobe Bryant, my goal um, the next year was to actually have a one-on-one interview because I botched that. I, and I didn't have, I don't, I, I would never get that opportunity ever. So I took that as a lesson to not only push past it, but ask the questions that needs to be asked because you never know when that person is going to be, um, when that person is going to die. You never know if that's your only, your first and only shot with actually asking that person a question. So now these days, I don't care. You know, if I'm around this person or somebody that's that's huge that I admire, I got to go ask that question. Because, again, that was my learning lesson. 
And so I tell, you know, interns and different things of that nature of my lessons. And I hope that they learn from it just because like, even though I'm a fan of his, I still could have asked a question that could have went viral or something like that. You never know. But I appreciate that opportunity because it gave me a learning lesson and it helped me and and molded me into the, again, a better leader because I could have, you know, when you're an editor, people look up to you. So I got to lead by example. So I can't sit there and tell my reporters to go out there, ask Kobe Bryant a question. If I'm not, if I get starstruck. So I take that as a learning lesson and I tell people I'm very authentic. You're going to get starstruck, but you got to get pushed past it because at the end of the day, you need to do your job. Ain't that the truth. So um, two things, last two things, and, and you can, you can blitz through it. What's been your favorite storyline so far uh, through the off season? And can you give us a prediction of a future storyline that we should see in the NFL coming soon? Oh, uh, <laughs> my favorite storyline. Yeah, like a coaching move, uh, you know, stuff more. You know, this player doesn't want to be here for so and so. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. All right, so I got to get on race because it's Black History Month. Okay, and I'm I'm a person of color. All right. With the Colin Kaepernick situation, you know, Roger Goodell never fully gave Kaepernick his full due of an apology but yet sat there and said, hey, you know, we're going to implicate, you know, more diversity. But yet, there's only two black coaches, head coaches in the NFL and one Latina. Where is the diversity? Why do we have the same storyline over and over and over each and every year? It's like you're saying the right things, but when your actions uh, tell the truth, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no reality to it. There's no truth to it. And with me being a person of color, as well as the NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists, it, it disheartens me to actually see that we're still trying to fight for equality. And not just only in sports organizations to be seen, but as well as the world. So that's one of the biggest storylines is diversity. Because like, you know, it seems like, you know, more people that are gay are actually getting more exposure than people of color or women of color, which I have no problem with. But at the end of the day, we should all share some type of diversity. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a trend to be like Black Lives Matter when there's only one Black person actually in the executive role. And then you had to wait until a movement comes and shakes up the world and be like, oh, well, I'm going to start doing things a little bit different. So, with that, that, that is always going to be the headline about diversity because I think the NFL makes up 75% of African-American players. But there's, no, there's not one African-American owner um, in the NFL. We got to do something about that. We, we have to implicate from the bottom up more diversity, whether it's you know, gender roles or either whether it's head coaching positions because – African-Americans can probably do, probably have a little bit more of an outlet to talk with these players than somebody that is white. Because we already just seen with, um, oh man, Bill Belichick, some some so-called racist and insensitive comments are coming out in his camp. And we already know within the type of quarterback that he likes, He's, he's a traditional guy, he likes a traditional quarterback. So when Cam Newton went over there, it was kind of weird. It was like that passive-aggressive racism because we already know he don't go after a black quarterback. When do you ever hear Bill Belichick going after a black quarterback, especially a mobile quarterback? It's hard, man. They've had Tom Brady for so many years, and they didn't really need anybody after that. But Did he actually yeah. help Cam Newton out? Like, look at all the weapons that he, got, uh, he gave Mac Jones. And I was going to say, I mean, up until Cam Newton, that's been the only one so far exactly. in his regime. In his regime, Well, he had yep. Jacoby Brisk, uh, uh, Brissett, uh, but uh, I, I believe he got traded. He got traded, and then from there, I think he's with the Dolphins now, right? No, well, so Jacoby Brissett got traded to the Indianapolis Colts, Colts. I believe, and then from there, yep. he went to Miami. Yeah. There you go. So, so I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard, right, when – when some of the facts are there in front of your face, right? 
Exactly. And, you know, that's that's one of the storylines that needs to change because I get tired. You know, I was just on a call with Tony Dungy and Tony Dungy was like, you know, when him and um, Lovey Smith, you know, made history in the Super Bowl, he thought that was actually the leading factor with hiring more minorities. Why are we still having the same conversation? Like this is it's, it's ridiculous. But an up and coming, um, you know, storyline. Um, will be about where um, Aaron Rodgers is going to go. Is it going to mm. stay with Green Bay or is, or is he going to leave? What do you, you know, think? That, that, I think he's gone. Wow. I, I think they – all right, so this is what I think. He's probably looking at what they're going to get in the draft, and if he don't like that, he's out because they need help. They need another wide But he did – I didn't mean to cut you. He did say he wants to make his decision before free agency does. So he, he did say that. And look, and the other thing, too, is I wouldn't be surprised if he lets people know what he's going to do this weekend and try to steal the spotlight away from Super Bowl 56, too. The spotlight has already been stolen. Tom Brady stole that. Well, the second yeah, time, I guess you could sure. say. Yeah. Well, the second time. I guess he wants to do outdo Tom Brady, right? Yeah, because Tom Brady, I mean, like, let's be honest. He was trying to sit there and say, oh, I'm not trying to take away from a game. But basically, he did. He could have waited until after the Super Bowl. Yeah. Because, but like, let's be honest. The last time the Rams was at a Super Bowl was what? Ooh, I was against the Patriots. Ever, there you yeah. go. 2019, 2018, 2019 season. Well, well, I mean, let me ask you. I mean, so before when Schefter uh, reported that Tom was going to retire, did you already kind of, did you hear any of this previously? Or did you hear like, no, he's going to come back? Um, It was speculation that he was going to come back. Because what, like, what was your gut feeling though? I thought he was going to actually come back, just on the aspect of he's a competitor and the way that they lost. It's like it's like a competitor. It's like you want more, you're hungry. But he already had alluded to like he already had gave the game everything he had, and it's now time for him to actually be a father, and actually you know be there for his wife. So it was either, it it was like seventy five percent that he was going to retire. And then, you know, the, the other percentage that he was going to come back. Pagel, thank you so much. I'm sorry to put you through all the hectic right there, but hey, man, you, 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 did, a, you did a phenomenal job. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Anytime. These are not even tough questions. These are questions that need to be talked <laughs> about, especially about race and different things of that nature, because we're all as one. You know, we, we are united. And we have to talk about these uncomfortable topics in order to bridge that gap of diversity. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I am Mexican-American. I know Fidel is also Mexican-American. So, I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's not it's not it's not an easy road for us either. I mean, we see we see we see we see it on a day to day basis sometimes of as far as, uh, you know, things not being equal to us. Mm hmm. And so, you know, that's that's what I lead off with. You know, we, we got to help each other. We have to grow and, and and understand that this stuff don't need to be swept around um, under the ground. We need to actually have these type of conversations. And that's how that's how we're going to grow as a country. And that's how we get an understanding of somebody else's background. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to see that. And change is coming, but it's gradual change. And if you don't have representation, then how else are you going to get somebody else's perspective? Because representation is is the starting point to inspire other people. True. Thank you, Fagel. Anytime. All right, Mr. Franklin, before I let you go, uh, please tell the audience where they can find you on social media. So basically, you can find me on my Facebook, which is uh, Fagel White Franklin III, Fagel Franklin III, New Stitch Media. You can actually follow me on my Instagram, which is my name, Fagel Franklin. You can follow me on my YouTube channel, which is New Stitch Media. My website is newstitchmedia.com. And you can actually find me or Google me, Fagel Franklin III, and all my information, as well as the interviews that I have done with your favorite celebrities or media personalities, as well as athletes, are up there. You know what? Before I let you go, I do have one more question for you. So obviously there was a big trade today in the NBA between the Indiana Pacers and the Sacramento Kings. A lot of people are shocked that Sacramento gave up so much for Sabonis. Just want to get your thoughts. Uh, I'll say this. The Kings will always be the Kings. 
Or the Sacramento Queens, how Shaq used to call them <laughs> yeah, back in the day. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand why they gave up so much. And they actually had a young team. And you actually had like an all-star that you kind of could mold. I don't understand that trade at all, um, to be honest. Um, they gave away a lot for somebody that, you know, is decent, but I don't know if he's going to actually fit that mold for the Kings. Um, but I, I'm looking to see what the Pacers are actually going to do uh, because they actually have some young talent out there. So I think they should move up in the ranks and actually make, a, you know, a, a good playoff push with the players that they just acquired. What do you think happens with James Harden? <laughs> uh, so right now it's, it's speculation that he's staying. But Tomorrow's the uh, deadline, correct? Tomorrow's yeah. the deadline? Yeah. yeah, yes. And Steve Nash has already stated that James Harden is actually going to say that he wants to be there. However, it's just a tough time. The one thing about James Harden, when times get tough, he decides to he decides to like oh well I'm going to leave. We saw this with the Rockets. Yeah. He pushed them he pushed himself out because he got frustrated because they was losing, and he didn't like you know what was going on with Mike D'Antoni and how he was running the offense. And he's he's the type of player that he has to have the ball in his hands. That's why I don't get this trade. Like when he um went to when he got traded to Brooklyn, I mean the ball's going to either be in Katie's hands or either. <coughs> Excuse me, Irvin's saying. So you're the third option. Harden has never been a third option. So um, I think he stayed with the Nets for one more year or so. <laughs> All right, Mr. Franklin, thank you so much. Yes, sir, definitely. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one on one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Electricast.